Oh, it's a big day. Not just because the stimmy hit your uh, hit your account this morning. I know a lot of you woke up and old Uncle Joe came through, huh? <laughs> oh gosh. Um I don't even care about I mean I do care, trust me. I'm not I'm not gonna say no to fourteen hundred dollars. <laughs> I just like saying the word stimmy. Every time I see it written on the internet, it just cracks me up. Because that's, that's that's everybody says like Uncle Joe and then Stimmy. <laughs> like I saw, I think the thing when uh, when Trump was still in office is people were calling him Tea Daddy, Tea Daddy, right? Like because that's what we're doing. We're doing the whole Sugar Daddy thing with whoever the president is and whoever is like, yeah, sure, I'll just give you guys a lump sum of money. <laughs> I got my Stimmy today. It was exciting. It was an exciting morning because I told you guys I have uh, I have recently moved into a house and <laughs> y'all didn't tell me how expensive that was. <laughs> Nobody let me know that when you move into a house, when you be officially become a homeowner, that uh, everybody wants a piece of you. Everybody wants a piece of you. So the STEMI helped out today. But that is not why today is a big day. Today is a big day because today... Football fans is the official start of the 2021-2022 NFL calendar. Yes, today everything from here on out is official. Is official. Now, I understand that for the past two months we have heard about deals. We have talked about deals. Over the past two days we had legal tampering and deals have been made. But today they all became official. So it is officially NFL season, and that is something that we can all get behind. However, however, it is not all good news because while I see all sorts of exciting news floating around the NFL, and I see different fan bases get excited, um, my girlfriend is a Buffalo Bills fan. They signed Emmanuel Sanders yesterday. It was amazing. I never thought I would be having a lengthy conversation about Emmanuel Sanders on a random Tuesday night, but that was my life yesterday after the Newburn Bears football game, which we will get to here in just a second. And so the the high was followed with the low, where Emmanuel Sanders signed by the Buffalo Bills yesterday and then announced this morning that uh, John Brown is out. Where did John Brown end up signing today? Not that y'all care, but... Oh, no, not John Brown, the political leader John Brown NFL oh the Raiders that's actually a pretty good signing for them that's a pretty good signing but anyway the ups and downs every fan base is having their ups and downs right now well Panthers fans uh, I am here to tell you that we're just gonna have to keep waiting patiently because the Panthers talked such a big game this offseason oh yeah we're gonna go get Deshaun Watson oh look we're gonna free up all this contract space or excuse me cap space then the NFL didn't do anybody any favors. Not that it was necessarily their fault. It's just what happens when revenue drops, as it did in 2020, because no fans in the stands. The salary cap decreases. Fortunately for the Panthers, Scott Fitter, Dave Tepper. I think it's David Tepper, but we're just going to call him Dave on this show. Uh, Matt Rule. While everybody else is having to cut players. If you've noticed over the last week and a half, your favorite team may have cut a player that you're like, what business do we have cutting this guy? 
Well, it's, it's because there's no room to pay guys anymore. The NFL literally cut like $10 million off of the 2021 salary cap. So while other teams had to maneuver and quickly cut a player that perhaps they would not normally be willing to cut, the Carolina Panthers went to two of their highest paid players and Christian McCaffrey and Shaq Thompson and said, hey guys, we're in a little bit of a bind. We're not saying we don't want to pay you what we promised you, but can we maybe shuffle things around a little bit? So the Panthers get a restructured deal for Christian McCaffrey and a restructured deal for Shaq Thompson, which helps for this year. In the long run, it just means that one of those seasons, C-Mac's going to have like an $18 million salary cap hit. And it's only going to be like 10 this upcoming year. So we'll see in the long run if it ends up helping or hurting the Panthers one way or the other. But regardless, right, we keep hearing the conversation, the quarterback We're not calling it the quarterback carousel. It is the quarterback merry-go-round because I do not know a single person that calls what is referred to as a carousel a carousel. I don't know if in other parts of the world it's called a carousel, but I know in eastern North Carolina, if you went to the fair, it was I want to ride on the (laughs) merry-go-round. But, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick's getting picked up. I'd have taken him as an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater. Jacoby Brissett's been picked up. I'd have taken him as an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater. I've got a really great tweet. You may have seen it. Not that it's big news because defensive linemen aren't always huge news unless you're like the top two or three guys in the league. But Michael Brockers is a pretty good defensive lineman for the or was for the LA Rams. He was traded to the Detroit Lions. I have a very awkward tweet that I'm going to share with you guys a little bit later today that I think is pretty funny. But Matthew Stafford, (laughs) he goes to L.A. Jared Goff goes to Detroit. Everybody's making moves in the quarterback realm. And the Carolina Panthers are just sitting over here puffing out their chest, acting like they're so sure they're going to get Deshaun Watson. So sure they're going to get Deshaun Watson. And if you've been paying attention to the news today, you know that Deshaun Watson has had some sexual assault allegations come out against him. I'm not here to comment on that because he has fervently denied it. Um, He's saying that it's more of an extortion kind of thing. I'm going to let the story play itself out and let the investigations proceed the way they need to proceed. I'm not here to comment on that, okay? I'm just looking at Deshaun Watson on the football field. Do you know how exhausting it has been? And if you're a Panthers fan, it has been exhausting for you too because you feel like you're just getting teased. You're just getting teased. What you want so badly is being dangled right in front of your face, right? You can almost taste it. Deshaun Watson is sitting on the other side of the looking glass. You can see right through it. He's almost right there, inches from your face, but you just can't reach out and touch him. But David Tepper, Matt Rule, Scott Fitter, the new general manager, they all just keep wanting you to think, hey, yeah, Deshaun Watson. Every move the Panthers have made, oh, it looks like they're positioning for Deshaun Watson. But honestly, I'm about at the point where I'm like, okay, but I understand the Deshaun Watson thing, but it realistically, it's not like Deshaun Watson's the only damn problem in Carolina, right? I mean, this is a team that won five games this year. If you think Deshaun Watson comes in and all of a sudden this is a 12-13 win football team, I think you're probably mistaken. The Panthers just need to do something. You ever see that meme with the stick figures or the gif or the gif or whatever you call it? I guess since it moves, it's technically a GIF. I say GIF, so we're going to go with GIF on this show. Where it's the stick figure, and it's like a stick figure dog that's laying on the ground. 
And the stick figure person is like poking the stick figure dog with a stick. Which I guess is a little ironic if you have a stick figure person poking a stick figure dog with the stick. It seems perverse. <laughs> but he sits there and he pokes him with the stick. And, and the, the little caption that pops up over his head is, do something. I'm the stick figure person. The Carolina Panthers are the stick figure dog. We'll make it a stick figure cat in this situation. Since it's the Panthers. Hey, Panthers, do something. Do something. Do you know what the Carolina Panthers have done so far this offseason? If you have not been paying attention, oh, by the way, I apologize. I know I was, like, completely MIA over the last week and a half. I have missed it. I mentioned the home ownership thing. Last week was a absolute whirlwind. I just didn't have time to be here. So I was working from home mostly. And doing other stuff. You don't want my life right now. But it's getting better. But I haven't been here, so we haven't gotten to talk about this. But what has the Carolina Panthers done so far in this offseason? Well, other than just completely inflate our hopes day after day, week after week. And I'm part of the problem there. I'm going to turn my eye on the Charlotte media. They are a part of the problem there. Because they keep giving us hope. <laughs> And if there's one thing I know about being a sports fan, and this is by my own uh, willingness to suffer, mostly stemming from my Wolfpack fandom, it is that hope is the worst possible thing you can have as a sports fan. Hope is bad. Hope is awful. <laughs> and the Carolina Panthers have done nothing but give us hope all offseason. So, okay. We have talked at length. The first move, I think we had Jason Hewitt on, or maybe it was Jason Ale- or Jonathan Alexander, a couple of weeks ago, and I said, hey, you know what? When the season starts, what is priority number one right out of the gate? Boom. Whole shot. What do the Carolina Panthers need to do? Resign Taylor Moten, or at least give the fellow the franchise tag. He's the best offensive lineman that they have, and the Carolina Panthers' offensive line, you've noticed... Every other defensive lineman in the league has noticed the Carolina Panthers' offensive line has been a problem. So the Panthers, good job. Golf clap. All right, not an overly impressive move, but we'll, we'll allow the golf clap here. Taylor Moten gets signed to the franchise tag. Three point seven, or excuse me, thirteen point seven five four million dollars. Um, I think the Panthers have until like mid-July or so to ultimately try to work out a long-term deal, which I think would be in their best interest. Taylor Moten graded out as one of like the top six or seven right tackles in all of football last year. He's only like 25 years old. That's a guy you want to keep in the building for a while. They re-signed their long snapper. Um, they re-signed like their backup tackle in Trent Scott. To a one-year deal that's like worth less than a, not than a million dollars, not that that's a small amount of money, but the what I'm trying to say is that's not an exciting, not an exciting deal. Um, they signed Colin Thompson, who was like a special teams tight end, like he's technically a tight end, but he I think only played special teams last year. Joey Slide, the soul, the swole kicker, who hasn't been like a great kicker or anything, he's back for another year. Keith Kirkwood, who caught all of like seven balls two years ago in New Orleans and maybe all of two balls 
for how many catches? Did, okay, this is this is what I'm te- the reason I'm telling you this is this is what Carolina has been doing this offseason so far. While you're looking at all this other exciting news, okay, Keith Kirkwood, who the Panthers I guess prioritized, or they just knew it was a layup. He's coming back. He had one reception, one reception for 13 yards last year. All that hope. That big game, puffing out their chest there in Carolina Panthersville. They also brought back Brandon Zylstra, another special teams guy. And I think the way I saw it described the headline, and I love this. I love when the headline from the from the Panthers themselves, because they tweet out as they make these signings, they said, we'll give the team depth at wide receiver. Yeah. All right, we're all shaking in our boots because Brandon Zalstra is coming down the line. Okay, but that's the more droll news. The Taylor Moten signing is good. After that, Carolina just re-signed a bunch of bums who are happy to just get a contract. Not that these guys are total bums, happy to have them on the team, I guess, but not making the needle move, right? Not at all. Not at all. So then the Carolina Panthers, they say, you know what? We're going to continue. We're going to continue to balloon the hopes and dreams of Panthers fans everywhere. Well, Sam, what could you possibly mean by that? Well, if you know what? If you're, if you're trying to posture and position yourself as a legitimate contender in the conversation for Deshaun Watson. I mentioned that horrible offensive line. I mentioned they re-signed Taylor Moten. Well, maybe what you do is you go out and you try to beef up the offensive line, right? Hey, Deshaun, come play with us. We promise you won't die because we're going to put some pieces around you, right? See Russell Wilson and why he wants out of Seattle, even though it seems like those problems have started to grow beyond just uh, an inefficient offensive line. The Carolina Panthers say, we're going to go out and we are going to sign two, two brand new offensive linemen. Number one, guard Pat Fline, who comes over from Minnesota. Three-year, $13.5 million deal, $6 million fully guaranteed. When you look at these contracts, guys, and you, and you hear people talking about the money on these contracts, don't look at the total value. Look at the guaranteed money. Because they, 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 these contracts are worthless. Like NFL teams can rip these things up immediately. And so the second they've milked all the value out of it, and by all the value, I mean you either exceeded expectations and they're getting you for a bargain, or you're underperforming and they will eat the guaranteed money and just send you on your way. So three years, $6 million fully guaranteed to guard Pat Elfline out of Minnesota, and then they brought in tackle Cam Irving, who was with the Dallas Cowboys most recently. Um I was reading an article. I believe these signings happened basically were reported on Monday, Monday afternoon, when when really the the firestorm began in the legal tampering period, and the rumors came out. Today's the day where you know ink can go to paper. I had ESPN on at the house, Sports Center. They had some NFL Live special, and they were updating these things as they go. And they got around to the Carolina Panthers. It's like, all right, whipping around the league. Let's see. Oh, you know, Matthew Judon signing with the Patriots. Oh, Joe Tooney signing with the Kansas City Chiefs. We're talking about big money deals. $56 million, $80 million to Joe Tooney. Johnu Smith gets a huge deal. Hunter Henry gets a huge deal. All these names of players, not that you necessarily have to have heard about them, if you're a fantasy football player, you're familiar with names like John U. Smith 
and Hunter Henry. Matthew Judon's been one of the better pass rushers in the NFL for the last four years or so. Went healthy. Panthers acted fast in the first 90 minutes of Monday's legal tampering window and made two deals for two offensive linemen. And the headline on ESPN, two more offensive linemen who will compete for starting spots. Who will compete for starting spots. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I have watched a whole lot of footage about Cam Irving and Pat Elfline. But I've got a page pulled up from TheAthletic.com right now talking about these two players. And I've got a blurb I want to read for you. It says, Whether former Cowboys swing tackle Cam Irving and free agent guard Pat Elfline will prove to be upgrades remains to be seen. Remains to be seen. So what I'm telling you is outside of... The franchise tag of Taylor Moten was a great move. Needed to happen. Was obvious. Slam dunk. Good call by the Panthers. Glad you didn't drop the ball there. But since then, since then, the most exciting things are bringing back a mediocre kicker in Joey Sly who just has a cool nickname, Swole Kicker, because the dude is jacked. Bringing back one reception for 13 yards in 2020, Keith Kirkwood. And then signing two offensive linemen who the experts' consensus seems to be, well, you know, we'll see. They might be upgrades. They might not be. They're going to have to get in there. They're going to have to compete for a starting position. You know what you don't want to hear when you are a Carolina Panthers fan and all offseason? David Tepper's just been tickling your funny bonies like, oh, you just wait. It's coming. You, you just wait. It's coming. I got you a dollar. Remember those Geico commercials? I love that. I, nothing to do with this. It just made me think of that. <laughs> oh, you almost had it. That's Panthers fans this offseason. What you got instead? What you got instead of Deshaun Watson so far? Or just anything that you can get excited about. It doesn't even have to be Deshaun Watson at this point. I got a list here. I got a list here of some of the available free agents on the market right now. Kenny Galladay. Hey, Panthers fans, Curtis Samuel's technically a free agent right now. Even if they announced that he was coming back, I would be excited. Will Fuller's a free agent. Jadavian Clowney's a free agent. Juju Smith-Schuster's a free agent. Linebacker Hassan Reddick's a free agent. Running back Chris Carson, free agent. David Andrews, free agent. Kyle Van Noy, don't you think we could use a little bit of extra veteran help on that defensive front? Kyle Van Noy is a free agent. You may not like it. Antonio Brown is a free agent. Richard Sherman is a free agent. Patrick, gosh dang, Peterson is a free agent. Malcolm Butler is a free agent. Gian Brown is a free agent. And then there's a whole heck of a lot more. (laughs) I was laughing so hard yesterday because another team that is being thrown out there um, in the conversation for some of these quarterbacks. And really right now, all eyes are on Deshaun Watson and all eyes are on Russell Wilson, right? Like, what are, what are the moves with these two guys going to be? I laughed so hard yesterday because there were some rumors leaking out over the last three days about Russell Wilson and a connection to Chicago. No faith in Mitch Trubisky, right? No real faith in Nick Foles. I don't even know. 
Is Nick Foles even there? If they move that contract, I can't even keep it straight anymore. The Chicago Bears announced yesterday that they were signed in the Red Rifle, Andy Dalton. Something like a $3 million deal. And I busted out laughing. I kid you not. Lost my mind. Was like snorting snot bubbles out of my nose because I thought it was so funny because I was hearing all weekend, Russell Wilson to Chicago, Russell Wilson to Chicago, Russell Wilson to Chicago. Oh, we're going to sign Andy Dalton. And they're not bringing Andy Dalton in to be a starter. Don't get me wrong. But I was laughing and then all my happiness rushed out of my lungs. Gut punch. Because I thought to myself, I said, you know what? I would so much more willing, so much more willingly watch a season with Andy Dalton under center in Carolina than to have to watch another season with Teddy Asswater. I tried to give Teddy Bridgewater a chance, and I've gotten an opportunity on the NFL Network to catch a couple of Carolina Panthers games back. And guys, this dude is terrible. He might have the potential. I don't know if he's just afraid to throw the ball, but oh gosh, he's just so bad. (laughs) Teddy collapsed Bridgewater. That was a bad joke. I'm sorry. (laughs) But I caught myself thinking, oh, I would rather have Andy Dalton. I would rather have Andy Dalton. So Carolina, they've signed two mediocre free agents. Shoring up the offensive line. Really, what you're getting is is just more offensive linemen that you don't really know if they're good or not. This is almost like the free agency equivalent. You guys play fantasy football. You've, you've experienced this before. Have you ever tried to make a trade with somebody in fantasy football? Or somebody has tried to make a trade with you in fantasy football? And so... Let, let's just let's be on the conning the con side of this, okay? Let's throw a name out there. Let's say that you want to sign Mike. You want to make a trade for Michael Thomas, right? You're like, hey, I want a really good wide receiver. Let me make a trade for Michael Thomas. So it's like, okay, well, I'm gonna have to offer something up if I want to give Michael Thomas. And and usually you, you might have a guy like DeAndre Hopkins on your team. Well, you don't want to pair. You don't want to uh, part ways with DeAndre Hopkins, right? That's too valuable. You want to pair those two guys together. So you say, all right, well, let me let me do this. Instead of offering something of equal value for Michael Thomas, let me try to get a sum of three or four different parts and have it equal the value of Michael Thomas. So you look around, you're like, okay, here's a Curtis Samuel. Um, I'll also give you Miles Gaskin, and then I will give you, I, I don't know, Sammy Watkins. I'm just throwing some names out there. You offer up like three mediocre pieces in exchange for one great piece. And you justify it to yourself and you're like, you're like, yeah, but I'm giving you three. Like, look, you're going to have more value. It's spread out three different positions. This is good for you. But it's like, yeah, but I, I don't need more of less. More of less in football doesn't really, it, it, right? It's not an addition problem. You don't just take three mediocre players and put them together and it turns into a great player. No, it just means you have three mediocre players. And so the guy you're trying to make the trade with is like, hell no. Like, I'm not going to do that. Michael Thomas, on his own, is worth way more than three dudes that I'm going to have to sit there and it's like, scratching my head, geez, what the hell do I do with Miles Gaskins and Sammy Watkins? I didn't get better. I want my Michael Thomas back. It's essentially what Carolina has done in sort of a, you know, if we're, going to take a leap here. That's sort of what Carolina has done here with this offensive line thing. It's like, sure, the offensive line was a problem. 
The offensive line was a problem. But bringing in two more meh offensive linemen doesn't fix the problem. It just means now you got more guys to choose from and your and your decision's gonna be more difficult each and every single week. It's like, well, who do we go with? Musical chairs. Upgrade the chairs. Don't just bring in new chairs. The Carolina Panthers have been playing musical chairs with their offensive line for three years now. And instead of just like going and investing some money and getting a nice chair, buy some good furniture one damn time. You won't have to replace it every other year. The Carolina Panthers are like, hey, you know, $6 million deal. Joe Tooney got $80 million. Now, Joe Tooney's a very good offensive lineman and a very good center at that. And I'm not saying I want the Carolina Panthers to go just blow their wad on an offensive lineman. But like, if you're bringing in a $3 million guaranteed contract and a $6 million guaranteed contract, sure, because you did it quick and immediately the day you were allowed to start doing it, sure, that shows that you were prioritizing it. But are you making a, a show of it or are you actually prioritizing it? Because it doesn't look like you actually fixed the problem. It just looks like you said, well, you know, we need some offensive linemen, so... Here's two new ones into the mix. I'm just saying, they talk this big game about Deshaun Watson in this offseason, and man, I have been so excited for free agency to begin because I thought the Panthers were going to do something. And they still may. And they still may. But when I get the news yesterday that Deshaun Watson is reportedly now prioritizing landing spots in either San Francisco or Denver. I get a little bit concerned because I don't see the Panthers on that list. The Poverty Panthers are not on the list. The Deshaun Watson dream may be, may be gone. And it feels like it's been trending that way for a while now, but... I am now here to say that I think it's officially dead. And so that's fine. We'll adjust. We're going we're gonna to save the future draft capital. It's going to be okay. You don't have to worry about trading Christian McCaffrey if you're one of those people that didn't want to do that. Right? Robbie Anderson's name was tossed around. You don't have to worry about losing Robbie Anderson. You had that guy from the NFL Network a couple of weeks ago that said, well, you know, maybe I'd offer Brian Burns in that package. That was a big h nah. And now you don't have to worry about that. But it seems like the Deshaun Watson pipe dream is dead. It hurts a little bit. We'll get over it. It's not the end of the world. We'll turn our attention towards the draft. Maybe the Panthers can find some young talent there. But if you're not going to get Deshaun Watson, you got to do something in this offseason. You have to do something. And it's not even just to appease the fan base or or to make the team better. It's just, are you going to be stagnant? Are you going to be dormant? If you are David Tepper, and ever since you took this team over, the message has been, we're not going to settle for mediocrity. We're not going to settle for mediocrity. Kind of... Showed his cards there, where he kept Marty Herney around for way longer than he needed to. But okay, at least this offseason, they uh, you know they make the move and they bring in Fitterer. But they just need to do something. And so far, the Carolina Panthers have been one of the least active teams in free agency in a free agency cycle where there are a lot of fun names out there. Just one. All I want is one. All I want is one. 
so that going into next season, I want to be able to look out on the football field, 22 positions, because I don't care about special teams. Well, I do care about special teams. I'm just saying, you're not signing a player that's going to make a huge difference on special teams. You find those guys elsewhere. All I want to do is be able to look at one of the 22 positions on offense and defense and say, boom, bingo, that looks different, that's going to be better this year. And the Carolina Panthers have yet to do that. They're not even being connected to anybody right now. They're not even being connected to anybody right now. So I don't know I don't know what the issue there is if people are looking around they're saying, "Well, you know, if you're a quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater's there, he's getting paid, are you going to have to compete?" You may not want to do that. Are they not thrilled about the wide receivers? I mean, I would love to throw to DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson and toss them in there too, C-Mac, because the dude's good for 80 receptions at least in a season. Joe Brady's supposed to be good. You know, David or Matt Rule, excuse me, seems to be a, a good young coach. I don't know. I think the bigger issue here and the bigger point, two things. Number one, it seems like Deshaun Watson, the dream is dead. Don't blame him. Sounds like, for my money, he's going to end up in San Francisco. Right? They had that, uh, what was that rookie wide receiver's name this year? Ayuk, Brandon Ayuk, had such a remarkable year this year. Looks like he's a star on the rise. Debo Samuel dealt with some injuries this year, but when he was on the field over the last two years, he's been dynamic. Kyle Shanahan's the guy that drug that bum Matt Ryan to a Super Bowl appearance and an MVP. Kyle Shanahan's a great coach. If I'm Deshaun Watson, I'd like to play there. Oh, and you get to go play in California. That's probably cool. Good weather. You don't get to do anything fun over there because that's the most shut down state that exists right now. But outside of that, (laughs) outside of that, good defense, right? Deshaun Watson can go to San Francisco and win. I'm thinking people aren't worried about coming to Carolina and winning right now. The Denver thing, I don't understand. You can expl- somebody can explain the Denver thing to me. I I stand by the fact that I would just have no interest in getting into that division. <laughs> I'm tearing up a little bit because Deshaun Watson's not coming to Carolina, guys. We're going to end up with Mac Jones or Trey Lance, and and that's all well and good, and that'll be fun, that'll be exciting. But if you thought, if you thought year one. For Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers was a small misstep. Even though five wins, I think, was about expectation. I think I had them for the potential of seven wins. I know Jonathan at the beginning of the year, Jonathan Alexander, he predicted exactly five and 12 for the Panthers this year. So, right about expectation level, right? Every single loss, they lost within seven points, they were competitive. If you thought there was going to be any kind of major leap, or at least one that you could predict personnel-wise, if you thought we were going to see that between year one and year two, uh, the dream's dead. Dream's dead. The positive thing is, and I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm just, I'm just depressed on a Wednesday because I wanted to wake up to like exciting news. You know how much I would have lost it if they were like, yeah, you know, Jadavian Clowney, one-year deal with the Carolina Panthers. Oh, you know, Curtis Samuel going to come back. Or, hey, Will Fuller's going to stick around. Or, hey, you know what? Gosh, the linebackers were horrible last year. Do you think we could maybe upgrade to here Whitehead to Hassan Reddick? 
<laughs> could have gotten Jalen Mills. Like, there were a lot of guys you could afford, Carolina, that you just haven't done anything with. I guess the Panthers just don't have anything to offer anybody. They're not selling a dream. They're selling a, well, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a process. We're rebuilding. It's going to be a slower rebuild than I think we wanted. The Deshaun Watson news all offseason made us think that, woo, we might be real competitive real fast. Well, Tom Brady's coming back, so, I mean, you might as well just not worry about trying to win the division, I guess. So there is that. Matt Ryan is still a Falcon right now, and though I did call him a bum, he is a veteran quarterback who can throw it all over the yard and has got a good wide receiving core around him. So it'd be tough to finish ahead of the Falcons in that division. Kind of TBD on the New Orleans Saints. They're bringing back Jameis and Taysom Hill. I don't know what they guaranteed him, but I know Taysom Hill can earn up to like $140 million, and that dude's got naked pictures of Sean Payton's wife on his phone, and you can't convince me otherwise because I do not understand for the life of me how he continues to rack in those contracts. But for the Carolina Panthers, all the bluster, all the muster, all the fuss this offseason, that they were going to make waves. Well, we're sitting here, it's March 17th right now. What is the, the old saying you learn in school about March, right? In like a lion, out like a lamb. That has been the Carolina Panthers offseason. Coming in roaring like a panther, right? <laughs> I embarrass myself sometimes when I do stuff like that. Coming in roaring like a panther. I'll do it again. All offseason, we're coming. We're coming. We're the Carolina Panthers. We're going to free up cap space. We're going to make moves. We're going to be great. We're going to compete for a division title next year. And instead, free agency begins, and Carolina Panthers and David Tepper come in like a little pussycat. Let's go live look now to David Tepper's office. That was him purring. Oh, just absolutely ridiculous. So we'll you know wait and see. We'll see if the Panthers decide to do anything. But I mean, all, all they have to show for any of any of these conversations we've had all off season about the moves they're going to make, it has all just ended in a big wet fart. Nothing to show for it so far. So free agency rolls on, and uh, the news is going to be coming hard and fast. If something does happen and I miss it, just we'll loop around to it tomorrow. I'm sorry. I don't usually uh, check for too much news while I am doing the show. I think Joshua Matthews is going to join us a little bit later today. I do want to get to some uh, recap of the high school football game last night because the New Bern Bears... Oh, they won in spectacular fashion. If you miss it, I'll have the sound for you. The Newburn Bears with a 16-15 to win over D.H. Conley last night. Hey, by the way, 35 minutes in, I guess I should introduce the show. This is the Sam Avila Show right here on 252 ESPN Radio. I am in a great mood today. The Carolina Panthers aren't going to bring me down. I don't know if I made my coffee extra strong or what, but I'm feeling good. I think I'm also just running on no sleep. I've got this thing, whenever we do high school football games, I love that high school football games are normally on Fridays. Because they start in the evening, and I don't like to admit it, but I can tell that I'm starting to get a little older because I get tired at night, right? I mean, I guess that's not an abnormal thing. Most of us get tired at night. But if a football game starts at 6.30... 
and I've worked for a day, I'm usually like, whew, got to find the energy. So last night on the way to the game, I stop at the gas station. I pick up like one of those little mini sugar-free Red Bulls and a Diet Mountain Dew. And I pound those things within like 30 minutes because I needed to get some boost and get some energy for the game, which is all well and good in theory. But a lot of you are probably like me where you've got this hard and fast rule that I know for me it's like after about like 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm like, nope, can't touch the caffeine because I will be awake till 2 a.m. Well, let me go ahead and tell you, buddy, a, di- a uh, sugar-free Red Bull and a Diet Mountain Dew at 6 o'clock on a Tuesday night does not set you up for a lot of success for sleep. So maybe that's what's wrong with me today. Um, <laughs> but we are going to get to some high school football at some point today. Joshua Matthews, uh, our Charlotte Hornets insider, is going to join us today. We'll talk a little bit of Hornets basketball. LaMelo Ball had some things to say about LeBron James that some people took issue with. I did not. Um, and it, it, He didn't say anything bad or inflammatory, but we'll get to the, that, some of that Excuse me, at some point today. I do believe the Hornets are in action tonight. I think they're taking on Denver. Let me double check this for you. Yep, Denver Nuggets tonight at 9 o'clock if you want to stay up for that. It'll be live on uh, NBA League Pass. Trying to think if there's anything else. Um, Oh, it's St. Patrick's Day. I'm going to loop back around to my favorite St. Patrick's Day soundbite, which I'm sure a lot of you guys are familiar with. Oh, and of course, I do want to remind you here uh, before we get this first break out of the way. Hey, sign up. Sign up for the bracket challenge, okay? Come play, come fill out an NCAA bracket with me. I want to, I want you to beat me because I'm really bad at brackets. Um, but going on right now, yes, it is the two five two ESPN Radio March Madness bracket challenge. It is live. That was my Bruce Buffer impersonation, and that was equally awful. That's every other impersonation I've done so far today. Uh, but yeah, the bracket challenge is live right now. So what do you have to do? Just go to our website two five two ESPN.com. Or you can find us on Facebook, 252ESPN on Facebook. You should be following our page already. And you'll see the link. It's pinned right to the top of the Facebook page. Or if you go to our website, there's like a big banner right when you get there. You just click on the banner or you click on the link in the Facebook post. And then all we need is your name and an email address. And the only reason we want your email address is so we can get up with you if you win. And then you fill out the bracket. It's really easy. It works on your phone. You don't have to get on a desktop. Like, it's mobile-friendly and all that good stuff. Um, And the winner is going to win $300, okay? So fill out a bracket. You're going to be filling out a million other brackets. Take two seconds out of your day and fill one out with us. Because if you win, yes, we will give you $300, all right? You thought that $1,400 looked good in your bank account this morning? Well, how about that $300? It's a little less, but it's still something. You're not going to say no to $300, are you? So please get signed up for the Bracket Challenge. It is being presented by Toyota of New Bern. Hey, shoot and score at Toyota of New Bern right now. That's right. If you head to Toyota of New Bern today and you fill out a credit application with them, you will have an opportunity to shoot a basket and win up to $500 towards your new vehicle on that credit application. Or how about this? You can just pocket the cash. They'll just give you the cash. So head out to Toyota of New Bern today, the Shoot and Score event. Also proud sponsors of the 252 ESPN Radio March Madness Bracket Challenge. Fill your brackets out now. You have until tip-off on Friday. 
because I just learned this yesterday. We did the whole entire show. I had no clue. I thought the play-in games were last night. I woke up this morning. I was like, who won the play-in games? No, nah, they don't They don't happen until tomorrow. The NCAA decided to get cute with the schedule this year, and they're going to blame it on COVID, but I don't understand how it makes sense for COVID. But we're not going to have basketball games till Friday. So you've got until Friday to get signed up. But I'm telling you, don't wait. And here's why you don't want to wait. Insider tip. You can enter more than one bracket in our contest. More than one bracket. Let's say 100 people show up. You got a 1 in 100 chance. You fill out two, you got a 1 in 50 chance. You fill out three, it's a different ratio. That I can't do the math in my head on. Three out of 100, whatever that reduces down to. So fill out multiple brackets. Get yourself in an opportunity to win $300 with us. Again, that is the 252 ESPN Radio Bracket Challenge. So coming up a little bit later, Joshua Matthews. We've got some NBA stuff to get to today. I'm probably just going to fill out a bracket live on the air because I need to take a good hard look at this thing. This is the Sam Avila Show right here on 252 ESPN Radio. This is the Sam Avila Show right here on 252 ESPN Radio. Going to continue to remind you, get signed up for the 252 ESPN Radio March Madness Bracket Challenge presented by Toyota of New Bern right now. Get signed up right now. Head to our website, 252ESPN.com. You can also find us uh, on Facebook at 252ESPN. And you'll see the big banner that says 252ESPN Radio March Madness Bracket Challenge presented by Toyota of Newburn. And you also see some incentive where it says the first place prize winner will receive $300 cash money. So get signed up today. Fill out a bracket. Please and thank you. Come play along. My mom will usually fill one out. And so you have, you can put like a little like username. And she always, her username is always Sam's mom. And you want to know a really, really demoralizing feeling? It's when you're supposed to be a sports guy. And then you fill out a bracket every year and you look at the standings. And I'll see my name below Sam's mom. Though in her defense, my mom probably actually does watch more college basketball than I do. She texted me on Sunday afternoon. I was running around town doing some stuff, and she was like, oh my gosh, this LSU-Alabama game is one of the best games I've watched all season. Mom, who are you? (laughs) But yeah, get signed up for our bracket challenge today and get yourself an opportunity to win $300. First place prize, $300 cold hard cash. Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, we are going to be joined by Joshua Matthews. Joshua is going to talk some Charlotte Hornets basketball with us, our Charlotte Hornets insider. And that's ahead of the Hornets game against the Denver Nuggets coming up tonight. I also want to share with you the most timeless St. Paddy's Day clip imaginable. I aired in my ways. I didn't wear green today. I'm not like anti- I'm too cool to wear green on St. Patrick's Day. I don't think I own anything green. Pretty much everything I own is a shade of blue. I've realized that in my closet. Everything's kind of like a different shade of blue or gray. I'm not a real fashionable guy. I'm literally wearing blue jeans with like a blue and white striped collared shirt today. (laughs) 
Uh, so we're going to do that. We're also going to recap the Newburn Bears win over the D.H. Conley Vikings yesterday. Got some sound of the play that won the game for the Newburn Bears. But I, I wanted to bring this up because if you missed it, I just went on like a 40-minute tirade about the Carolina Panthers who are still waiting to do something here in free agency. And I made the point that, you know, at this point, I was laughing at the Chicago Bears yesterday when they were announced that they were going to sign Andy Dalton. So now that quarterback room consists of Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky, and Andy Dalton. And I was a little jealous because I'm not even kidding. I mean, I know Andy Dalton's not good. You don't have to tell me that. But I would take him over Teddy Bridgewater because I just can't suffer through another Teddy Bridgewater season in Carolina. However... While I may be feeling a little frustrated with Matt Rule and Dave Tepper and Scott Fitterer today because this boastful offseason of we're going to do stuff has turned into the opposite of that, at least, Panthers fans, we are not dealing with a front office that acts like they're going to do stuff every year and also doesn't do stuff every year and has a track record of six years. So Ryan Pace... Ryan Pace of the Chicago Bears, general manager for the Chicago Bears, has been there since 2015. We were coming home from the football game at CBA Cock on Thursday night, and that's where I first heard the report. Uh, Mark Panicelli was the one telling me about it. He was like, oh, it looks like there's a whisper that Chicago may be getting in the Russell Wilson conversation. And he rattled off some of the things that would go down in that trade, and it was like Khalil Mack and a couple of first-round picks and – uh, I don't know, maybe Trubisky or Foles. It was a laundry list of assets that Chicago was going to be offering up to get back Russell Wilson. And I know Russell Wilson is great, but my first reaction, and I told Mark this, I said, well, that just sounds like a hard correction by Ryan Pace, who's trying to do a lot way too late to try to save his job. Right, and We've had the same conversation about Deshaun Watson where it's like, yeah, gosh, he's really good, but there's got to be a line on what you're willing to give up for him because you're just going to set back your football team in so many other spots. Ryan Pace isn't a good general manager, and it's amazing that he still has a job in the NFL. Uh, and this is a guy who had like a 14-year career in New Orleans as part of their front office. Didn't serve as their general manager, but he was there. Here is the list of quarterbacks brought in by the Bears ever since Ryan Pace has taken over in 2015. They signed Mike Glennon. They gave him $18 million for one year. They traded up for Mitch Trubisky in a draft in which they traded up for Mitch Trubisky and took him over Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, the very same Mitch Trubisky who started, yes, just one season at Carolina. Then... They traded a fourth-round pick for Nick Foles and his contract, (laughs) Uh, which is a ludicrous contract for a backup quarterback. And then the most recent thing done by Mr. Ryan Pace is uh, sign Andy Dalton. You ever did you ever have that that experience as a kid where you'd be driving around? Let's say you're like coming back from like a practice or something when you're a kid, and you tell your mom like, "Hey mom, can we stop and get this for dinner?" You know, "Hey mom, let's stop at Bojangles. Can we get Bojangles for dinner?" And your mom would say, 
No, we've got food at the house. Russell Wilson is the food that you wanted for dinner. Andy Dalton is the equivalent of the food <laughs> was at the house. I saw a great meme yesterday, and uh, I'll credit her. Her name's Annie Agar. Um, she's a sports reporter. I don't believe she's directly affiliated with anybody at the moment, but you can follow her on Twitter at Annie Agar. And she does great content. But she she put out a meme yesterday. It was a picture of Mitch Trubisky, and then it was a picture of a, a, a keyboard. And the keyboard had an upgrade button on it. And it was a finger mashing the upgrade button, right? Like, please, can we upgrade Mitch Trubisky? And so the next slide is a picture of Andy Dalton and the very same keyboard. And the upgrade button has been replaced with a go back, go back button. <laughs> so it could be worse. Uh, it could be worse, Carolina Panthers fans. And look, I'll even, I'll even throw my team, I, I'll lump my own team into this conversation, okay? If you need a good laugh... I'm an Eagles fan. It's, it's kind of becoming secondary to the Panthers at this point because I've gotten too invested in the Panthers. But the Dallas Cowboys, right? They're paying Dak Prescott a lot of money. They're going to pay him $22.5 million in 2021, the way his contract settles out. The Philadelphia Eagles are paying Carson Wentz $34 million to play for somebody else in 2021. So Panthers fans, you know what? At least the Panthers aren't doing anything overly stupid. They're not doing anything great, but they are certainly not doing anything stupid. All right, when we come back, let's relive Friday night football from last night. Newburn got a 16-15 win over D.H. Conley. You'll hear how it happened next right here on the Sam Avila Show. Welcome back to the Sam Avila Show right here on 252 ESPN Radio. Joshua Matthews set to join us. And I think the next segment, it'll be at some point today. And if it's not today, it'll be tomorrow. I'm just kind of vibing. See where, see where the day takes us. We'll talk some Hornets basketball. Hornets are in action tonight against the Denver Nuggets. Um, they're still in sixth place in the Eastern Conference. I don't have the standings in front of me. But the Hornets are a fun team this year. So if you haven't gotten an opportunity to watch, well... Uh, you probably won't tonight unless you have NBA League Pass. Seems like there's been a little bit more of a rallying call for the Charlotte Hornets to get some more national televised games. And I'll plug this because it's coming up after my show. It's the Brian Hanks Show, right? You can catch it right here on 252 ESPN Radio every day following myself. Um, Brian's show airs in the mornings on 960 The Bull up in like the Kenton area. And he is being joined today. So you'll be able to catch the interview following this show here, uh, starting at 6 o'clock. But he is interviewing today Scott Fowler, who you may be familiar with, has been a longtime journalist with the Charlotte Observer. And Brian, he, he promotes his show on Facebook every single day. And, and don't take this the wrong way. This isn't me talking bad about uh, Mr. Brian Hanks. I love Brian Hanks and love having him as a part of our radio network. But he put the tag out on Facebook yesterday promoting today's show. And he said, you know, Scott Fowler is going to join me. One of the things he mentioned they were going to talk about is the surprising season that the Charlotte Hornets are having. The surprising season that the Charlotte Hornets are having. And I understand that it may feel a little bit surprising, but I don't think we should be surprised at, at what the Charlotte Hornets are doing for two reasons. Number one, being in sixth place shouldn't be a surprise. I mean, sixth place isn't that good. It's not like the Hornets are sitting there at second place or anything. But 
this Hornets team has been getting closer. And it seems like we were just, you know, they had a crop of players who were all around the same age. I always talk about timelines. I love when timelines add up for professional sports teams where it's like, we, I mean, it's, obviously it's nice to have a mix of a veteran presence in there, whatever it may be. But if you can get a group of guys who are all sort of on the same trajectory, and the hope and the prayer is that they all sort of hit that, that rise to their peak, right? The crescendo in their ability. If they can all hit that about the same time, and that's kind of what's happening in Charlotte right now, then then you have a good thing, right? When you got guys like Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington who are 22, 23 years old. Cody Zeller's having one of his better careers. Uh, Terry Rozier, not too much older than those guys, continuing to ball out. Malik Monk, who's been a bit of a disappointment in the three years he's been in Charlotte, uh, sort of taking that next step. Devontae Graham, right about that same age, you know, under the age of 26, getting a little bit better. And then the cherry on top this year, a lot of people were so eager and willing to discount LaMelo Ball and say, well, you know, I, I don't know if we should really have the the utmost expectations for LaMelo Ball because of his brothers, because of his dad. But if you watched any of LaMelo Ball when he was playing down there in Australia, like the guy was playing against grown men and he himself is like six foot seven and is an absolute stud. Absolute stud. Just continue. He's a walking triple double. He's so close to being a walking, or excuse me, a walking double double. So close to being a walking triple double. One of the most creative scores in basketball. I saw a report yesterday. I am low key a Philadelphia 76ers fan. I, I saw a report yesterday about how Doc Rivers said that Ben Simmons is locked in to win Defensive Player of the Year this year. Like, that's his primary focus. Ben Simmons is like, I want to have that title. I want to be known as the best defender in the NBA right now. And I know over the years I've had a ton of conversations on this show about, or not maybe not so much on this show. I know when Mark and I used to do the show, uh, Jordan Honeycutt and I would get into it all the time over Ben Simmons. Because everybody wants to immediately knock Ben Simmons as a basketball player because he doesn't shoot the three. Or they say he doesn't try hard, which I think is just the most ludicrous assumption to throw on a player. Especially in a sport where you're playing 82 games a night, especially when, like, find me the handful of people who watch every single Philadelphia 76ers game. The the effort isn't a problem. But people overlook the defensive prowess of not just being a good defender for a basketball team. Man, do you know how valuable it is to have a plus-sized guard like Ben Simmons, like LaMelo Ball, who is such a good defender and cares so much about it? LaMelo Ball might honestly be. No, no, he is. He's the best defender on that team right now. He is the best defender. At the age of 19, LaMelo Ball is the best defender for the Charlotte Hornets. You know, when you look down on the low post, it's Cody Zeller. But if you're just going to say full body of work, LaMelo Ball is, is different. So when you talk about this timeline, and I talk about these guys who are between the age of like 21 and 26 that are sort of forming that nucleus or were forming that nucleus, and they were waiting for the levy to break a little bit. They needed that final push. The Hornets, what they were blessed with, 
was the final catalyst, right? The final catalyst, which was LaMelo Ball. So while everybody else's timeline took, you know, two, three years of development, four or five years of development before it was like, okay, this is an NBA player that we trust and can rely on night to night. In comes the rook. In comes 19-year-old LaMelo Ball. And they're like, okay, he's like, okay, I see your timeline. I'm a good enough player to where I can go ahead and accelerate mine. And the guy didn't start the game for the first 18 games of the season. And then once he got an opportunity because somebody was resting tonight, he hasn't relinquished it yet. He hasn't relinquished it yet. It, it is hard to find the NBA rookie who is a reliable, dependable starter, and then goes out there and gives you 25-5 and five every single night, or 27-6. and six. Numbers are ridiculous. So I'm excited. I haven't gotten to listen to Brian's interview with Scott Fowler. And I didn't mean any disrespect by saying, well, you know, you shouldn't be surprised. But I, I read that, and I kind of chuckled, because I was like, I'm not surprised. This is exactly, I think, I think the Hornets are right on pace. I think the Hornets are right on pace. They're going to have a big opportunity tonight against the Denver Nuggets, and then they'll actually have a game against the Lakers. I believe that's a Friday night game. A Friday night game. So if ESPN knew it was good for them, they would, um, they would try to feature that game. Hey, this segment of the Sam Avalos Show being brought to you by Robinson and Stith Insurance. Robinson and Stith Insurance worries about insurance, so you never have to. I'm not even kidding you guys right now. I get my insurance through Robinson and Stith Insurance. I just got an email that says like everything's been processed and applied to your account. I didn't do anything. They took care of it. I like I'm telling you, I I hadn't even touched. I I, I got informed, you know, I, I guess I made a payment without knowing I made a payment. But I do everything through Robinson and Stith Insurance. And they're the puppet masters. They pull the strings on all my insurance. They will take care of you. Robinson and Stith Insurance is Newburn's premier independent insurance agency offering complete insurance services since 1905. Give them a call today, 252-633-1174, and talk to an expert to receive an absolutely free review of your insurance policies. Whether it's auto, business, flood, it's important around here, health, homeowners, or life, Robinson and Stith Insurance will have what you need. That's Robinson and Stith Insurance. You can head over to robinsonstith.com. Again, that phone number, 252-633-1174 to talk to an expert and schedule an appointment today. Find the coverage at the right price. That's Robinson and Stith Insurance. I'm going to have to push the high school coverage to the next segment because it is St. Patrick's Day. It is St. Patrick's Day, and I did not wear my green today. I mentioned it earlier. I am wearing blue jeans. Let's see, what color are my socks? My socks. See, I got I got sock game. I don't know if I've ever talked about that. I never. It, you, it's something fun fact about me. I got a sock game. I don't just wear plain socks. I, I like to throw a little pizzazz on there. Um, I have gray socks with the North Carolina flag printed all over them. So there's no green on that, and I am wearing a collared shirt that is like navy blue and white striped. So I'm not wearing any green. I didn't do it on purpose. I'm not look. I am all for getting in the spirit. But St. Patrick's Day, I don't really know how you celebrate St. Patrick's Day. I know when I was in college, it was like, hey, somebody dump a bottle of green food dye in the keg of beer. And so it's like, okay, you're drinking green beer, and the green beer thing is fun. But let me go ahead and tell you. It's not a good idea because guess what doesn't come out of clothing very easily? Food dye. 
So I know I lost a couple of shirts victim to St. Patrick's Day celebrations. And I know some of you, you like to do the traditional corned beef and cabbage, right? The corned beef and cabbage. I know there is one particular restaurant here in New Bern. I would love for them to be a sponsor, so I'm not going to give them any names. I'm not going to name them, but they do the big. They do it like I think the second Tuesday of every month or something, or the seventeenth of every month. I think that's it. But they do the corned beef and cabbage. I've never gotten to go on St. Patrick's Day because the line's out the door. I never celebrate St. Patrick's Day, but I do celebrate St. Patrick's Day in one way and one way only, because it's normally just another day. Are you guys familiar with the Crichton Leprechaun? Um, let me figure out where Crichton is real quick. Where is Crichton? It's a city somewhere. Crichton City? West Virginia. West Virginia. All right, so Crichton, West Virginia. (laughs) This is from about four or five years ago. A video from a local news outlet where on St. Patrick's Day... Some of the locals of Crichton, West Virginia, were frightened. Were frightened because there was a sighting of a very festive type. Take a listen. Well, just in time for St. Patrick's Day, crowds are coming by the dozens to get an up-close view at what some say is a piece of Irish folk- folklore. Some people in the Crichton area of Mobile say a leprechaun has taken up residence in their neighborhood. A leprechaun. NBC 15's Brian Johnson has more. Curiosity leads to large crowds in Mobile's Crichton community. Many of you bringing binoculars. Excuse me, this is Mobile, Mobile, Alabama. I guess Crichton's a neighborhood. Camcorders, even camera phones to take pictures. To me, it looked like a leprechaun to me. I gotta do look up in the tree. Who else in the leprechaun say yeah? yeah! Eyewitnesses say the leprechaun only comes out at night. If you shine a light in its direction, it suddenly disappears. This amateur sketch resembles what many of you say the leprechaun looks like. Other. All right, now let me describe this sketch, okay? I'm going to keep the video playing. It's got about another minute left, and it, it, it only gets better. If, if you did not laugh at whoever seen the leprechaun say, yeah, it, it gets better. So we're going to just narrate our way through this whole thing. So... The sketch, the amateur sketch, which is submitted to, you've watched local news. You know, they've got the little blue background and they've got a picture of this sketch and it says amateur sketch. The sketch is on a like yellow piece of notebook paper. I am probably one of the least artistic people you ever meet. I could do a better leprechaun sketch than this. It is simply, I don't even think it has a mouth. It is just a circle for the face. Just two circles for eyes that are colored in. Like a semicircle. And they drew they drew a very crude looking hat. It's just like an oval with a semicircle on top of it. Like the most basic I'm gonna like I'm gonna try I'm gonna draw this right here. Um, I mean I know you can't see it, but it's gonna be I just I just drew it, okay? Done that fast. Can you imagine what it looks like on my piece of paper? Terrible. Right? It took three seconds. There are three shapes. That's the detail of this amateur sketch of the leprechaun that is in the tree in Crichton neighborhood in Mobile, Alabama five years ago. The video continues. Resembles what many of you say the leprechaun looks like. Others find it hard to believe and have come up with their own theories and explanations for the image. 
My theory is it's casting a shadow from the other limb. Could be a crackhead that got hold to the wrong stuff and it told him to get up in a tree and play a leprechaun. We're going to get down to the bottom of this. Yeah, still on there, guy. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, man. This guy helping to direct traffic says he's prepared for his encounter with the leprechaun. He's suited up from head to toe. This wars off spells right here. This is a special leprechaun flute which has been passed down from thousands of years ago from my great-great-grandfather who was Irish. I just came to help out. Others. Alright, so let's talk about this guy. Alright, you heard him. So this guy is standing on the side of the road. He is wearing full camo. And I'm not talking about sitting in a deer stand camo. I'm not talking about, you know, military digital camo. I'm talking about, like, just a cheap imitation camo. You know you know what I'm talking about? Not not anything that has any, like, real-looking foliage to it. Not Not the digital military kind. Just, like, plain, basic camouflage T-shirt. So he's got that on. I don't know if camouflage works on leprechauns or not. I don't claim to be a leprechaun expert. It might. This guy might be ahead of the game. He's also wearing a bulletproof vest. He says it's to ward off spells. I don't know if Kevlar necessarily is imbibed with any magical spells that help ward off leprechaun spells. I don't even know if leprechauns cast spells. The story I always knew about leprechauns is like they're mischievous and if you get closer to their goal, they actually might kill you. I think there's like a horror movie in the early 90s called Leprechaun. I think I've seen it. It's like Krampus, right? It's like the same thing. <laughs> so the camouflage in the bulletproof vest is one thing, but you heard him mention the magical flute, which has been passed down for thousands, plural, thousands of generations. So we're going like B.C. because we're only in 2021, the year of our Lord. Thousands of generations from his grandfather. His grandfather. Thousands of generations. I think it'd be like great, 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 great grandfather, but semantics. Thousands of generations, and this thing's going to help fight the leprechaun or something. At this point, you've already gotten to the point where you know where you heard the one lady mention that she thought the leprechaun's probably just a crackhead in the tree. Honestly, this woman has the most reasonable reasonable suspicions about what's actually happening in this video. I'm starting to think that everybody in the video might just be a crackhead because this magical flute, this magical flute, guys, I'm, I'm not kidding you. It's like a six-inch piece of like three-quarter-inch galvanized pipe. He, he, they do like a close-up of it in the video. You can find this video. A lot of you have probably seen it. It's hysterical. It's not St. Patrick's Day unless you watch it. So just look up Crichton Leprechaun and you'll see the full video. This dude has a flute that he says is going to protect everyone and ward off the Leprechaun. Heroes work. And my man is just holding out in his hand. It looks like he just found it at a job site somewhere. It is a probably, like I said, a six-inch piece of three-quarter-inch galvanized pipe, and it looks like somebody bored like two holes into it. He does not want every, anybody to be scared. He does not want anybody to be afraid. He actually goes on in the video. Came to get lucky in hopes a pot of gold may be buried under this tree. I'm going to run a backhoe and uproot that tree. 
I want to know where to go. Like, I want to go. Give me the go. I want to go. This is Brian Johnson, NBC 15 News. People will do anything for a pot of gold. I mean, anything. You know what I like? I like the amateur sketch of the leprechaun. Yeah, it looks like somebody yeah. got a really good look at it and got that good drawing who, out there. Who did that? I want to know who sketched that. I don't know. Maybe Brian sketched it. <laughs> Man. Uh, I looked up if leprechauns are dangerous. So I'm, I am on our leprechaunsdangerous.com. And the top answer I've got here, if you want to learn a little bit about St. Patty's Day. And I don't even think it has anything to do with leprechauns, right? Isn't St. Patrick was the thing of his own and somehow leprechauns got tossed into the mix here? Uh, let's see. The purpose of leprechauns was to cause mischief. In stories, they typically function in the same role as the classic trickster. In modern culture, they've been stripped of their teeth, much like many characters from mythology. Jeez, they used to have, like, giant teeth. Leprechauns are a type of fairy in Irish folklore. At one time, fairies, often called the good folk, were to be feared. That doesn't add up. The good folk and were to be feared, okay? Stories prevailed among the peasant classes of the fairies stealing children. This is where the idea of the changeling... Good gosh, let me just get to it. Yeah, basically it looks like they've got gold, and so people want to go steal the gold, and then they'll get killed. So the guy that you heard in the video who wants to take a um, a backhoe to the tree that they're spotting this leprechaun in and wants to completely uproot it, he might want to uh, he might want to be on the lookout day. I don't even know St. Patrick's Day meaning. You think we can Google that? It was a long first hour, guys. I'm grasping at straws here. And I also want to figure this out myself. This is a re- it's supposed to be a religious celebration in the Catholic Church. And it's a feast day. Well, I guess that's where the uh the food stuff comes in. Wearing green. Okay, so it has nothing to do with leprechauns, but we just slapped it on there. So leprechauns, I guess, are like the Santa Claus of St. Patrick's Day. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. Uh, here, I'll just play the video for you one more time, then we'll take a break. How about that? Well, just in time for St. Patrick's Day, crowds are coming by the dozens to get an up-close view at what some say is a piece of Irish folk- folklore. Some people in the Crichton area of Mobile say a leprechaun has taken up residence in their neighborhood. A leprechaun. NBC 15's <laughs> Brian Johnson has more. Curiosity leads to large crowds in Mobile's Crichton community, many of you bringing binoculars, camcorders, even camera phones to take pictures. To me, it looked like a leprechaun to me. I got to do look up in the tree. Who else in the leprechaun say yeah? yeah! <laughs> Eyewitnesses say the leprechaun only comes out at night. If you shine a light in its direction, it suddenly disappears. This amateur sketch resembles what many of you say the leprechaun looks like. Others find it hard to believe and have come up with their own theories and explanations for the image. My theory is it's casting a shadow from the other limb. Could be a crackhead that got hold to the wrong stuff and it told him to get up in a tree and play a leprechaun. We're going to get down to the bottom of this. Yeah, still on there, guy. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, man. This guy helping to direct traffic says he's prepared for his encounter with the leprechaun. He's suited up from head to toe. This wars off smells right here. 
This is a special leprechaun flute, which has been passed down from thousands of years ago from my great-great-grandfather, who was Irish. I just came to help out. Others just came to get lucky in hopes a pot of gold may be buried under this tree. I'm going to run a backhoe and uproot that tree. I want to know where the gold is. I want the gold. Give me the gold. I want the gold. This is Brian Johnson, NBC 15 News. <laughs> So he didn't even explain what the the special leprechaun flute does, right? He just said this is a special leprechaun flute. Like you would think that maybe that would can we get a little bit of a follow up the special leprechaun flute. What does it do? <laughs> what does it do? A question for a generation. You celebrate St. Patrick's Day, have a heck of a time. Be careful around the green food diet. Cuz it don't come out. And if you see a crackhead in a tree, don't worry, it's just a leprechaun. <laughs> That's what makes for a good holiday, crackheads and trees. More of the Sam Avila Show coming up. This is the Sam Avila Show, right here on 252 ESPN Radio. As always, you can follow me on Twitter. At Sam Avalis. You can email the show Sam at 252radio.com. And going on right now, do not forget because it's going to sneak up on you and you're going to forget and you say, oh no, I forgot to fill out a bracket. I'm not going to win $300. I hate money. Right now, it is live. The 252 ESPN Radio March Madness Bracket Challenge presented by Toyota of New Bern. You can find the link on our website, 252ESPN.com. You can also find us on Facebook, 252ESPN, and find the link there. Fill out a bracket. Come play along over the next month or so, right? we got tournament games beginning on Friday. They're going to run Friday to Monday because they just wanted to change things up. Uh, but that's going on right now, and all brought to you by Toyota of New Bern. And, hey, first place in the bracket contest is going to win $300 cold hard cash money. So go seek out the link. I would just give you the, the real link itself because we use, like, a third-party website because it's fantastic and easy for us to kind of set up and customize a little bit. Um, but it's long. It's like the thebigtourney.com backslash something 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 backslash a bunch of numbers backslash 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 so just go find the link again on our facebook page and on uh on our website as well joshua matthews is going to join us tomorrow i decided to just go ahead and kick him off today <laughs> i didn't kick him off but uh i had some i wanted to make sure i got to this high school stuff today so joshua's going to join us tomorrow we'll talk some charlotte hornets basketball and Von Casey may be here tomorrow. He also may not be here tomorrow because uh, it's pollen season. And Von Von, te- Von was supposed to be here today, but he texted me and said he couldn't make it because uh, the pollen got him, which I get 100%. I'll tell you, look, this is, this is not a paid sponsorship, but I will plug something. If you have an allergy problem, uh, I seriously, I cannot recommend Nasonex enough i i get messed up by pollen every single year and it's it's coming out now in full force this this rain we've had has helped a little bit 
but you know it's going to come right back. Nasonex, it's like I think it's like one of those steroidal things, but it's a nose spray, or at least the the version of it I use is a nose spray. I kid you not, like I've I've already picked some up for the year. I buy one little tube of that. You like spray it in each nostril once each day, and it lasts. The bottle probably lasts like a month, or it seems to time up perfectly to while all the pollen's out. Guys, I'm not kidding. Nasonex wipes it out for me. Zero problems at all. Zero problems at all. I think it was Monday night. I was like laying in bed, and I was like, oh, gosh. Yep, the pollen's setting in. I can feel it. It's gotten into the house. It's gotten into the vents. I've been outside in it. I was dying. Next day, picked up my Nasonex. Squirt, squirt. Done. Good. Golden. So if you are a fellow pollen sufferer, Nasonex. That's your man. That's your man. Uh, yeah, so the tournament begins this weekend or this Friday. we got the play-in games will be on Thursday night. There's a couple of good ones. I know I've already filled out a couple of like mock brackets. And Michigan State-UCLA is such a fascinating game because they are both kind of one of those schools. So they're in the play-in game for the 11-seed spot. And I can't remember who they would have to see in the second round. It's... I think it was BYU, actually. I think the winner of that plays BYU. And it's one of those situations where it's like, wouldn't you easily put Michigan State? I know Michigan State struggled this year a little bit, but wouldn't you put Michigan State beating BYU? And then whoever they see next, I don't know who it is. I don't have the bracket. Actually, yeah, I do have a bracket here. I was filling one out. I kid you not, I had Michigan State in the Elite Eight, a team from the playing game in the Elite Eight. That's also why I'm bad at brackets because. I just fall in love with the story, man. I, I'm so excited for this tournament. I'm so hurt that tomorrow, Thursday, for for years now, on Thursdays, we've always just done a show during the tournament, obviously, and uh, we would take all the radio equipment and we would put it in our conference room where we have like a big TV projector screen thing. And I would like, you know, bring a couple brewskis into work and we'd get a couple pizzas, and we would just sit in there and just watch basketball, and then when it was time to do the show, we would just turn the mics on, and it's like, well, you know, the show's going to sound a little bit different today. I remember one year, uh, my dad popped in just to say hello. He was driving past the office. <laughs> and I'm not, like, I guess the most proud of this, but, you know, I do love my job, and so every now and again, super fun moments, super cool moments pop up. And so it was like, I think it was like the Friday afternoon on the first weekend, and so, you know, we were going to do the show, but we were all preoccupied watching the basketball, and I was gambling on all of it, and it's probably like 3 o'clock, and we're an hour away from doing the show, and my dad walks in the office, sticks his head in there, and it's not a great feeling. <laughs> I just remember the look on his face. He's like, what in the world? When he walks in, and he looks over, and it's 3 o'clock on a Friday afternoon. I'm at work, and I'm like sitting there with a the Miller light in my hand. I just remember he was like, is that a, are you drinking a beer? And I was like, yeah my job's better than yours sorry so I don't get to do that tomorrow so I'm very upset about that very upset about that trying to find this Michigan State oh I was right they do play so Michigan State if they beat UCLA they could very well lose to UCLA but even UCLA versus BYU like that makes sense as an upset right and then the winner of that will get Texas or Abilene Christian College which will probably be Texas Michigan State versus Texas. I mean, just on a one-game sample size, it's not crazy to say that uh, Michigan State could win that, right? And I know Alabama just won the 
SEC championship, and Alabama's a good team, but if I told you it's Michigan State versus Alabama in the Sweet 16, would you be shocked if Michigan State won that game? And then they could potentially play Michigan in the Elite Eight, a Michigan-Michigan State matchup in the Elite Eight. Rivalry, tournament, again, one-game sample size. This is why March is so much fun, man. Like, you can just... <laughs> there are... If if you are a top 11 seed, I can normally try to spin a scenario for you where you can make a run to the Final Four. Now, you won't. And if I say it, it's definitely not going to happen. But this is why March is fun. So get your brackets filled out. Again, the bracket challenge, you can win $300 cash. It's a promise. If you win that thing... I will personally hand you $300. Or somebody at the office. If I'm not here, somebody else will give it to you. I'm not going to make you work around my schedule. <laughs> Told you, I'm having fun. I hope you guys have enjoyed today's show. Um, the women's NCAA tournament begins on Sunday. Or maybe it's Saturday. NC State plays on Sunday. NC State got a one seed the other day. And I was I was happy to see that because every single projection I had seen about NC State uh, was that they were going to end up as a two seed in the women's. And I know a lot of you don't really care about the women's stuff, so just bear with me for the moment. But everything had NC State projected to be a two seed. They ended up getting the one seed. I was like, that's terrific. ESPN put an article out earlier today that was, I think, just simply entitled, Five Teams That Could Win the NCAA Tournament. Five teams that could win the NCAA tournaments and 10 players who could ignite a title run. The Stanford Cardinal, who are one seed. The Yukon Huskies, of course, who are one seed. The Baylor Lady Bears, two seed. The Maryland Terrapins, two seed. And the South Carolina Gamecocks, who are in NC State's... No, they're not in that region. South Carolina's a one seed in the Hemisphere Regional. NC State beat them at the beginning of the years without um, probably their second best player in Kadiah Jones. Not on that list. <laughs> Not on that list, NC State. Whatever. NC State beat two different one seeds this year, including South Carolina, and they are one seed. But apparently, according to ESPN, they are not one of the five teams that could win the NCAA Women's Tournament. Crying shame. Croc journalism. Not really. I do like ESPN. Uh, I do like ESPN, but excited for the March Madness stuff getting underway. I keep pushing the, the high school football stuff. We come back, and we are going to get to it. Have you ever heard of the name Aaron Herring? If you're a Newburn Bears football fan, you probably were familiar with this kid last year as a freshman. Was dynamic as all get out. Kick returner, play some defense, mix them in an offense, carrying the ball occasionally. Well, last night, Aaron Herring made the play of his high school football career. So good, such a great play, that while he's got two and a half years of football remaining at New Bern High School, I am not so certain he will ever be able to ultimately top what he did last night. So yes, New Bern Bears fans, if you have been waiting, we get to it next, a recap of the New Bern Bears D.H. Conley football game from yesterday evening. Of course, you heard the call right here on 252 ESPN Radio. Quick reminder, the Bears will be in action this upcoming weekend, Saturday, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, Caruso Coach Stadium. 
Get out there. Support the Bears. Going to be taking on Eastern Wayne. We'll be there with the call as well. But we relive the thrilling victory for the Newburn Bears over D.H. Conley next, right here on the Sam Avila Show. This is the Sam Avila Show right here on 252 ESPN Radio. Going to get to some high school football talk in just a second. Great game last night between Newburn and D.H. Conley on a Tuesday night in the cold, wet rain. Credit to those players for just being willing to even step on that field. Nasty night. Newburn going to be in action this upcoming weekend. Twelve, or excuse me, two o'clock kickoff. Two o'clock kickoff. Uh, live from Bobby Curlin's Field at Caruso Coach Stadium at Newburn High School. Fans are allowed, so come on out. Come on out. Should be a. Uh, it'll be a little brisk. It should be a fun afternoon of football. The Bears going to be hosting the Eastern Wayne Warriors. I think that's right. I think they're the Warriors. Bears were in action last night. We'll get to that in just a second. Want to remind you, now is the time to sign up for the 252 ESPN Radio March Madness Bracket Challenge presented by Toyota of Newburn. I'm not going to stop talking about it. Not until it's too late for you to sign up. But get signed up now. You can find the link on our Facebook page, 252 ESPN. And if you're not on Facebook, you can still use the internet. And head to 252ESPN.com. Click the link. You'll see the big banner. It's brilliant artwork done by our very own Carolina Oliveras. Just click on the picture. It'll take you right to the page. All you need to do is put your name and an email address so we can contact you if you win. Fill out your bracket. You're going to be filling out one anyways. Very user-friendly. It's not hard to figure out. I trust you guys. Uh, fill out your bracket. Make your picks. by. Opening tip on Friday, 12, 12.30. I can't remember what time the first game starts on Friday. And uh, get yourself entered to win. Get yourself entered to win. $300 cash to the winner. $300 cash to the winner. And this is a pro tip. It's a pro tip. Insider secret. You can enter multiple brackets. You can enter multiple brackets. So enter as many times as you want. Get yourself in to win should be a lot of fun. Get some money. Get some money. The 252 ESPN Stimmy. Let's get to that football game uh, from last night. So Newburn, Newburn moved to 2-1 and one on the season last night. Got a 16-15 to 15 win over D.H. Conley. Let me set the scene for you a little bit here. Allow me to set the scene for you a little bit here before we get to the, the final play that ended it and won it for the Newburn Bears. So Newburn's offense was plenty productive in the first half. They had something like, I think it was 189 total yards. Statman Scott Gaskins, if you're listening, apologies. I'm going off of memory there. But Newburn was uh, very productive in the first half offensively. Unable, Unfortunately, they kept getting down to about the 25 of D.H. Conley and, and continued to stall out. A couple penalties messed them up. They got a really bad spot on a run by Dimtrell Tucker of Newburn that should have gone for a first down. Newburn comes out of the half with zero points. Um, D.H. Conley did score eight in the first half. Quarterback Bryce Jackson, who I was beyond impressed with last night. Kid's just a junior, making some of the most difficult throws you'll see a high school quarterback make. I mean, I'm talking about ball on the left, hash mark, finding a guy on an outright on the right sideline. Just zipping it to him. Right in stride, right out of his break. 
excellent quarterback they've got over there at DJ or DJ DH Conley and uh in Bryce Jackson. He found LaRon Atchison on a huge play in the first half that set up eventually a Ramon Mabry uh receiving touchdown. Conley takes an eight nothing lead into the halftime break. Coming out of the break, Conley gets the ball first. March right down the field. Bing, bang, boom. Maybe scored in two minutes. LaShawn Atchison, who I mentioned had a big reception earlier, and Atchison last night actually finished with eight catches and 126 yards. And then his only touchdown of the night came on that opening drive in the second half. D.H. Conley's up 15 to nothing. 15 to nothing, let's say 10 minutes remaining in the third quarter. From there on out, the Newburn Bears offense, who last night was led by Kamad Scriven. Kamad Scriven, senior quarterback, 27 carries for the young man coming out of that triple option, 161 rushing yards. I don't have the confirmation on this yet, but we thought and we felt like that was probably the most carries we have seen Kamad get as a quarterback. 27 carries, 161. Kamad had two touchdowns in that second half following the 15 to nothing deficit that Newburn found themselves in. Had a four-yard touchdown run with a minute and 30 left in the third quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, after a couple of turnovers, I mentioned pouring down rain. Ball hit the floor a couple times last night. Bears had two fumbles. Kamad Scriven scores on a 14-yard touchdown run. Running out of the wishbone. I want to give a shout-out to this kid, Natavian Green. He's a sophomore. Where's number seven for the Newburn Bears? Mostly lines up at defensive end. Got put in the right tailback position in that wishbone last night. Kid's built like a monster. Just a sophomore. Going to be a great, great player for the next two and a half seasons or so for Newburn. Led the way on that 14-yard touchdown run. Kamad Scriven dances into the end zone. And then... And then goes and runs virtually the exact same play on the following play. Going for two. Picks it up. Newburn takes a 16-15 lead. 16-15 lead with five minutes left. Conley gets the ball. Newburn forces them off the field pretty quickly. A couple timeouts are called. Bears get the ball. Unable to pick up the first down. Ball sitting right around midfield. Bears punt it away. Down to, we'll say, the 23-yard line. D.H. Conley gets the ball back with one minute and nine seconds left. Got to go roughly 70 yards to try to score some points. Roughly about 70 yards to try to score some points. They get down inside the 10. Bryce Jackson leads a heck of a drive. Picks up a couple of huge plays. LaShawn Atchison made a catch in double coverage that set up D.H. Conley inside of the New Bern Bears 20. couple timeouts are called. There's 14 seconds left on the clock. Okay, and I'm getting ready to play some audio. I'm going to play some audio of the last game, the last play of the game, or the last play that wasn't a knee down of the game. D.H. Conley has the ball on like the six-yard line. 
They had a young man by the name of Ryan Carter, who's an excellent linebacker for them, who was handling kicking duties last night, uh, was booming his kickoffs all night and had an opportunity to kick one extra point. And if you're familiar with the layout at Newburn High School, it was on the far end zone from the parking lot. So there's the uprights, then there's a fence behind it, and then there's like a really big ditch. And then there's another fence that leads to the uh, practice soccer field. Ryan Carter kicked an extra point that was like on the other side of that soccer field. Booming kick. So ball's on the six-yard line. You're kicking about a 22-yard field goal there, potentially. Conley was down by one. Wet, rainy night. Field goal wins it. Tough decision to make as a coach. Coach Nate Connors. and Look, there aren't a whole lot of coaches, especially in the rain, on the road are going to ask a kicker to go out there and attempt that kick. So, Coach Connors, after watching his quarterback, really just lead that offense all game long. Like I said, Bryce Jackson was incredible for D.H. Conley. And he led them down the field in less than a minute. They decide to keep the offense on the field. Opportunity to take a shot at the end zone. No timeouts left at this point for D.H. Conley. So they can take, if you take a shot to the end zone, falls incomplete, fine. You can't take a sack here. Uh, you can't try to really run because you're not going to have time to get up to the line of scrimmage and set the ball. Take a listen. Here's what happened. Right now. Now we did see Ryan Carter kick an extra point earlier for D.H. Conley. And would have easily been good from 22. Yeah. And so, you know, this is, this is big. You know, one thing is you want to get the snap down. Obviously, if you're Newburn, don't jump off sides. Don't fall for anything crazy. So they're going to keep the offense on the field, it looks like, for now. And so 12.3 seconds, and Jackson's going to come out in the gun. They'll probably try, maybe try to get him to jump off sides, but they don't have a call. They don't have a timeout unless he throws it out of the back of the end zone. It's going to be two wide receivers lined up to each side for D.H. Conley, and they're going to discuss a couple of extra things here. And this white hat sort of not letting they're this final moment be played more out time. here. They say 14. 14. Yeah, we didn't like the extra time added on. So somehow they just came in and decided to add five seconds on the clock. <laughs> the white hat went from 12.3 to 14 seconds on the clock with the ball stopped. They're still talking this over. Getting the clock set. Now they've run the play a couple times where they fake the pitch and the quarterback keeps it. So second and nine now, 14 seconds officially on the clock. Low snap, Jackson going to take a shot to the end zone, and it's intercepted! intercepted. It's intercepted by Newburn! Wow, what a play, man. A-Ron Herring, the sophomore, reads the quarterback's wow. eyes and jumps the route. Oh, my goodness, what, what a, play a play by the young bear. What a historic play. Unbelievable stop there. This conference... Wow, what a conference win. Such a big stop. Man-to-man -man coverage. He looks to throw it. 
And, and that's not an easy interception, Mark. No. That's a fantastic job. Stepped right in front of it. I think Bryce may have had one option he was looking at the whole time. And you know you can't stare down a receiver like that. Yeah, that's right. So it's the fourth interception of the season for the Newburn Bears, the second of the year by Aaron Herring. Had one a week ago against CBA Cock. And this kid, just a sophomore, has already made so many tremendous plays. Coach, he's still got two and a half seasons left playing in a Newburn Bears uniform. I'm not sure he's going to have a very easy time topping a play more important than that. So the clock's going to hit zero. And the Newburn Bears score 16 unanswered points to take a one-point lead, 16 to 15 officially, over the D.H. Conley Vikings. They pick up their second win of the season. And Aaron Herring, your star of the night the sophomore corner jumps the route on the final play and the new burn bears clinch the win and man the energy in this press box it is damn good to have football back at caruso coach stadium oh man that was uh that was one of those high school football nights that i'm telling you you just you just will not ever forget um so a really big congratulations to aaron herring he is going to remember that forever so the stat that i found interesting and we went through some of the stats in the post game. And if you want to rewatch that game, those games are archived on our Facebook page. You can go back and you can scroll. We do the full video for all of those games. And last night's game was one to certainly watch. Um, Newburn going to be in action this weekend. I need to get the updated statistics from our stat man, Scott Gaskins, who does such great work with us on the Friday Night Football broadcast. But he let us know last week, after the win for Newburn over CBA Cock, Tory Now, head coach Tory Now, who's in his second year at Newburn, was 11 and 4 through his first 15 games as a head coach. That tied. Obviously, historic Newburn High School head coach Bobby Curlins, the man who the field is now named after, that tied Bobby Curlins' start to his career. So, after last night, Tory now now twelve and four to start his career. So I will I will track that stat down to see where now Coach Tory now is stacking up historically against arguably the greatest coach in Newburn Bears history. And I did find this funny um, during the NFL season. We talk about scoregami sometimes. And if you've never heard me talk about that, scoregami is when a final score in a game has not ever happened before in the NFL. So Statman, who is a Scorigami fan himself, has been going back to 1969 and finding the records and the final scores of past Newburn Bears games and trying to identify Scorigami games. Well, last night, 16-15, to 15, we had an official Scorigami, the first time that that was a final score in Newburn Bears history. So I thought that was tremendous. But Newburn 2-1 and one now on the season. Uh, they've got Eastern Wayne coming up this weekend, this Saturday at 2 o'clock. We will have coverage. We'll have the video feed as well on our Facebook page. And then next week, three games left in the regular season for the Bears. Next week at South Central, then April 2nd, home against Southern Wayne, and they'll finish the season April the 9th um, at home against West Craven, a non-conference game. That South Central game looming large for Newburn. Get a win there. You have that 4A upper hand in the Eastern Carolina 3A, 4A conference, and beating Conley last night. 
so big for the postseason aspirations and seeding, really, for this New Bern Bears team. So uh, a really fun season. Hope to see a lot of you people out there at Caruso Coach Stadium supporting the Bears this upcoming weekend. That's going to do it for the Sam Avalis Show here on a Wednesday afternoon. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll be talking more brackets. Uh, Joshua Matthews will be joining me tomorrow. Perhaps Von Casey uh, will make an appearance. Maybe the Panthers will have done something by then. Who knows? We'll see. But y'all enjoy the rest of your night. I'll see you then.